Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. This is Rick Stevens. I am your host, and this is your show. Remember, if you've got questions you would like to have answered, if there's a topic you'd like to hear a little bit more about on a future episode of Money Matters, please give us a call at 719-500-8700. You can also shoot me an email, rstevens at frsfinancialgroup.com, or simply go to our website, frsfinancialgroup.com. Go to that contact tab up there in the top right corner. Click on that. Send us your questions. Send us the message, that topic you'd like to hear about. We would love to hear from you. Folks, this week on Money Matters, we are in studio, as always, with Andrew Rogers. Andrew, happy week again. Absolutely. It seems like we just did this. It it feels like that, didn't it? Yeah, but I know everything's bright and sunny in your world. uh, I'm hearing the crack of uh, bats from... Arizona, all the way up here. Yes, yes, indeed. You know, I, I can't remember who it was, but but there was a uh, an author years ago that said, the signs of spring are not the swallows returning from Capistrano, but rather it's the crack of the bat and the pop of the glove. So yes, yeah. it is in fact spring. Oh, well, spring, soon enough, there'll be a certain couple teams already mathematically eliminated so uh i believe if i uh, saw the numbers correctly it should be uh both the rockies and the tigers eliminated shortly after opening day yeah <laughs> we're in a rebuilding year yes yes rebuilding year decade millennia something <sighs> like that hey but you know what we got the miggy farewell tour so we'll we'll be happy there you go we'll ride high go. on that. that that'll work that'll work well, folks we are joined in studio today by greg budwine with leadham's performance diesel and equipment shop budwine how are we today Man, i'm doing good today how are you guys doing but finer and frog hair. That's good. I've That's used that good. before. But then I was told it's actually finer than my hair, which is probably <laughs> finer than frog hair. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, well, we've got to uh, give that official uh, disclaimer on here that uh, even though we love our friends at Leadums, LPL Financial and FRS Financial do not endorse any of the guests that uh, are here on Money Matters. But, uh, <laughs> you know, because the FINRA and the SEC like us to not endorse right, people. Right. But we're glad, you. you're we're glad you. you're here. I got you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so we, we've got a, a fun show uh, kind of planned out here today. We're going to talk about some of that vehicle maintenance because, you know, the weather says it's still winter. So we're going to talk about some winter stuff. We're going to talk about some spring stuff. And, and I'm actually going to open up, you know, I sent you a number of questions here, but I'm going to open up with a, a theoretical situation. This ought to be good. Oh, oh it will. It will. <laughs> um, let's just say, for example, there might be somebody who moved from a, a warm winter state like Colorado, right? Because we got winter, but it's kind of warm, to a cold winter state a little north, say, I don't know, Montana. Cold. Where, where, where they get some negative 20s and negative 25s and uh 
You know, if he wanted to make sure his truck started every morning when he went out to get in it, what's the best way to warm up that truck? Uh, is that a block heater? Is that a core heater? What in, What should this fictional individual be thinking about here? In a, in a situation like that, in those kinds of temperatures, that's where we like block heaters. It doesn't right. matter if it's a gas or a diesel. Uh, when it's cold for long periods of time, block heaters are where it's at. And then you don't have to hardly run the vehicle at all because the whole cooling system's warm. And the heater's ready to go. So it'll defrost the windows immediately. Yeah, and what about uh, battery blankets as well? Are those still pretty uh, useful for those extreme colds? No, we've, uh, battery, battery technology has changed a lot. So battery technology isn't what it used to be. And batteries, even in cold weather, um, do a really good job. Okay. So... Awesome. You know, I, I, I read somewhere, don't remember where I had read this, uh, probably somebody who didn't know what they were talking about, uh, but I had read somewhere <laughs> that it was actually not advisable anymore to, to run your vehicle in the morning on those cold mornings to warm it up. You didn't need to do that anymore, that you could just turn it on, maybe wait, you know, 30, 40 seconds and go. And I'm thinking, but I've got a boatload of frost and ice and snow on my windshield and i kind of like to get in a warm car and not freeze for 20 minutes on the way in is 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 it okay if i keep that vehicle running in the morning is is that okay is it going to hurt it it it, it is not going to hurt it it's going to help it it's no difference than when we work out as human beings when you go to a workout the worst thing you could do is jump on the treadmill and go mach 5 right you're not supposed to do that we want to stretch we want to warm up we need to do the same things to our vehicles the newer vehicles warm up quicker which is good but 30 seconds isn't near enough time to go take off driving and go do what you're going to do for the day when it's cold outside so, so what you're saying is if I do that with, with my vehicle, I might pull a hamstring. Uh, you might. Yes. Yeah, you could. You could. Unless you're in spring training, right? That's true. That's true. Been yeah. working out all winter. Yeah. Yes. And another thing that, you know, a lot of people do, and I know uh, it's more inconvenient now so than ever thanks to the economy, but uh, that gas tank, is it still that good rule of thumb to make sure that you're above maybe, say, quarter tank all the time, or is it oh, the modern cars maybe okay to draw them down a little bit closer to fumes? No, the the key is, is even in the summer and in the winter and in the spring and in the fall, you want to keep the fuel tank over a quarter. And the reason is, is the only thing the fuel pump has to lubricate itself is fuel. So not only do you alleviate the possibility of having some water in the fuel because the tank's not full enough, you also lubricate the fuel injection system. And the lower you go, the harder it is on fuel pumps. And that's, uh, I have always learned this because I've had this happen to me three times over the course of uh, of owning vehicles. I can tell you exactly when that fuel pump is going to go out. <laughs> you know where it's you going. You can, you yeah. can, yes. Because it's yes. right after I filled up. Yes, <laughs> yes. Every yes. time, every time. Yes. Right after yes. I filled that up. That is true. Uh, so, so we are still here, right? This in uh, in in Colorado was really kind of the start of our really snowy season, right? Yes. February, March, April. April. Yep. Uh, so, so what are some of those tips that that you can give to our listeners for, you know, whether it's a daily thing, a weekly thing, uh, to to really be able to keep those vehicles running smoothly through the 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 snow and the cold? Well, we've always advised people. There's a lot of things you can do on your own to your vehicle. Um, One of those things is to make sure the tire pressures are correct. Newer vehicles today have what we call tire pressure monitor systems, um, which are good, but you just need to walk around the vehicle. The cool part on any vehicle is if you check everything yellow, which you can check at your house under the hood, 
that makes sure that everything's full and you're ready to go. And it takes about, it might take 30 seconds to check everything yellow under the hood. Because so I usually you, have only like one or two things that are yellow under that hood. Yes, yes. <laughs> There's, they're becoming less and less things we need to check. But if you check all the yellow things under the hood, it works really good. You can also check your lights if you have the ability to park in a garage or park next to a wall. You can check all the lights in your vehicles. And we recommend people do that once a week. Just take a quick walk around. People are busy. We get in and out of the driver's side all the time, and we notice stuff on the driver's side, but very few of us walk around the vehicle, and I think that's pretty important, and we emphasize that big. Yeah, and is that still even the case? I know a lot of the cars are moving to those LED lights. Do they still have those same issues that uh, maybe the traditional lighting systems had? They, they do. You'll you'll find, I see it all the time. It drives me nuts. A guy will put his brake lights on, and he's only got one brake light working, <laughs> or, or they'll turn their turn signal on, and the front one works, but the rear one don't, or vice versa. So even with all the LED lighting we have, lighting's a big deal. Yeah, and even with that, you know, we've seen this kind of modernization of our vehicles, and mm-hmm. it almost seems like it's more and more computerized. You mentioned the lack of the yellow under the hood mm-hmm. as well. Yes. What are some of the things that uh, we should maybe be looking out for, maybe on that control panel, things like that, that would kind of be a red flag to make sure that we're bringing into the right person to have it looked at as far as to trying to do it ourselves and creating a bigger issue? The, the greatest part about all the newer vehicles with all the computers is they're going to tell you when something's wrong. I mean, they're really good at it. They'll tell you when your tire pressures are low. They'll tell you when the engine's not running correctly. There's there's a 42 lights that come on on the dash, and anytime those lights come on, that's when a professional needs to be involved in most cases, except for there there is one exception that I always preach, and that's tire pressure. Well, and is it still that those lights just kind of more sensitive than uh, what we see maybe from a small child, that it's really going to go on within, you know, maybe half a pound of pressure nowadays um no they're set at they're set at two pounds there's a two pound difference and the the issue is in colorado where we live with tires hmm. especially because the temperature swings are so different it greatly affects tire pressure because 60 degrees is way different than 20 degrees and when you have those swings tire pressures team they just tend to change a lot and if you've been out uh, you know driving the day before right you, oh, yeah. you're, you're out and you're out and yeah. about and through town in the in the sun of the day and you've parked it and sat overnight and we all of a sudden get a you know 30 or 40 degree temperature drop overnight yes. those, those those tires can end up under pressure they the next morning very right? quickly yes they can very quickly so one of those uh, one of those things that that I always saw growing up and and I grew up in the Midwest I lived you know 10 years in the Chicago suburbs were folks who, if it was if it was expected to snow overnight, they would take their wipers and flip them straight out. Yes, sir. Why? I I, I don't I, I I've never understood the why behind it. Mostly because before I went to turn my wipers on, I would try to clear off my my windshield <laughs> anyway. So I wasn't trying to move eighty pounds of snow with wiper yes, blades. Yes. So 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 why do folks do that and should we? Do well, the, it doesn't matter. The, the, the key is it's better on the equipment if you do it. And mm-hmm. the reason is, is because if the wiper blades freeze to the window and there's no snow, just ice, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the wiper motor strips when you mm-hmm. turn the wiper motor on and the wiper blades are frozen to the windshield. So the guys that are doing that are protecting the wiper motor. It doesn't have anything to do with the blades or trying to move the snow. It has everything to do with mechanically and electrically what's happening to the wiper blade. 
Uh, so if I can actually start my vehicle, let it run for 10 minutes when it's cold outside yes. and get that defrost going, it's yes. not as big a deal. It is not likely. as big a deal. Yep. All right. Yeah. And, you know, Greg, of course, we're here getting into, again, the big snow season as well. Yes. A lot of people may be newer to Colorado and think, all of a sudden, i got to get an all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive. Anything in particular as far as making sure that those systems are really ready to go for uh, the big challenge? Well, the, the crazy part is is every manufacturer is different. Okay. And that's, <clears throat> that's a really hard conversation because we have four-wheel drives that you can put in four-wheel drive. We have manufacturers that make four-wheel drive that go into four-wheel drive on their own because they're smart enough to do that. We have traction control. We have all kinds of stuff. But a good all-around vehicle should should have the the capability and the ability to go into four-wheel drive, whether right. it's on its own or whether you have to manually put it in. All right. Well, then let's be a little bit more specific. What about, you know, we'll use my vehicle example. You know, it's uh, got about seven slots in the front. Helped uh, secure freedom for the entire world back in the 40s. <laughs> yes. What should I? Is there anything particular with that Jeep, with the transfer case, things like that, to make sure that uh, when I need it, I can pop it down and make sure everything's in the right The key part. is to make sure the four-wheel drive is serviced regularly. Okay. <clears throat> the transfer case has fluid in it, and all of the power from the engine and the transmission go through that transfer case, even when you're not in four-wheel drive. Okay. <clears throat> so, excuse me, the key is, is to keep that transfer case service most of those transfer cases in a true four-wheel drive setting only hold about three quarts of fluid so changing that often is a, a huge importance in our area yeah and you know maybe asking for a friend what are what are those intervals uh, that's really easy okay um the the key in in any fluid changes we like to see vehicles tw- twice a year and we call big services every 15, 30,000, 45. So every 15,000 miles, you should have those major services done. Okay. Awesome. Well, folks, we are up against that uh, first break in today's show. When we come back, we are going to continue uh, asking some uh, hypothetical for a friend <laughs> type questions uh, for with uh, with Bud Bine here from Leadums Performance Diesel and Equipment. Folks, stick around. We will be right back. Does stock market volatility have you wondering which way is up? Do the talking heads and doomsayers have you wondering if this really is the end? If you want straight answers from an advisor who isn't just trying to sell you something, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment today. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO. Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Folks, welcome back in to Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group. Rick Stevens here in studio with Andrew Rogers and Greg Budwine. We're talking all things truck, all <laughs> things vehicle, because, you know, the guys that lead them, they are the truck guys. They'll work on just about anything, though, uh, in the grand scheme. And and before we jump into that, because it's spring, baseball's starting. Before we jump into that spring vehicle maintenance part here, I, I do want to go a little bit more in depth. Uh, Andrew had brought up there in that last segment the all-wheel drive versus four-wheel drive uh, sort of thing. What really is the difference between an all-wheel drive vehicle and a four-wheel drive vehicle? That's pretty simple. So a four-wheel drive vehicle generally drives off of the rear wheels when it's in two-wheel drive. The driver manually engages, 
some kind of mechanism to engage the front to pull to work with them. And in all-wheel drive vehicle, generally speaking, the front does all of the driving, and when it needs four-wheel drive, it engages the rear. And it's all done based on slippage from the wheels and the amount of brake pressure that's applied, and the computer decides when to engage the rear wheels. So you have, essentially in an all-wheel drive vehicle, the driver doesn't have any control of when to put it in four-wheel drive. So that's kind of why then when uh, my wife's vehicle, which is an all-wheel drive, whenever it kicks itself in and starts using the rear tires, it it still steers just fine. Yep. But my truck, the Suburban now, when I kick that from two into four, it's a little bit more difficult to steer. We call that heavier. (laughs) Because now you're turning everything on the front when you turn the steering wheel. That is correct. Greg, let me ask you this, because I know my wife and Rick's wife now driving the same vehicle. Okay. And I know uh, mine loves it has that little kind of snow mode type adjustable switch in there for that all-wheel drive system. Mm -hmm. Is that really useful, or is it just kind of a a little placebo put in there by the Germans? No, it's uh, it's pretty useful. What that does is that tells the car that you're fixing to drive the vehicle in unnormal conditions, which is snow. And so it knows... Based on the temperature that's outside and based on the speed that you're going in snow mode, it knows what to do with the car. So you basically what happens is, and I probably shouldn't say this, but (laughs) it takes all the thinking out of driving. It it really does. Because if you put that car in snow mode, then you can just go drive it and it just does its thing. Okay. All right. But, but unnormal conditions for us because snow only happens certain times a year but if yes. we were in alaska it would be putting it into normal drive mode yes. basically yeah. yeah it would be the rare thing when yeah. you put it into you also non. you also probably wouldn't be driving that vehicle <laughs> <laughs> as somebody who lived in alaska for four years i i made it through with a front wheel drive volkswagen the entire time no yep. issue yep. so yep. i mean uh, it's all something good. to be said. Yes, awesome. Well, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift us forward a little bit to that uh, two weeks uh, of spring weather that we have in between winter and summer. <laughs> um, so, so when spring finally gets here, whether that's you know late March or mid April or the end of May, whatever that looks like this year, what are some of those things that we need to be doing for that time of year with our vehicle? To basically get it ready for the warmer weather, you know, getting out of that winter and snow mode and into maybe a little rain here and there, but but mostly warmer weather and summer mode. The key is you got to make sure, again, that walk around is really important. Um, at Leadums, we do a 55-point inspection that you can do before summer gets here. It's a good idea to check the AC because most people haven't turned it on for a few months. <laughs> I mean, it's been warm, but it's not been hot, so... We recommend checking the air conditioner and making sure that that's all working. And the cooling system and air filters, whether it's a cabin air filter or an air filter to the truck, those filters are really important when you're when you're changing from seasons, from winter to spring to summer to fall. Those things are pretty important because every season is different, right? Sometimes we have blowing snow, mm-hmm. which gets water and air filters. Sometimes we have blowing dirt in the springtime, so... It's a. It's just a matter of doing the simple stuff and the easy stuff to make that vehicle last a long time. And one of those uh, one of those questions I know that I've I had years ago before uh, you guys actually explained it well to me was that you know why do I need to change my cabin 
air filter. If I'm not, you know, uh, smoking in the car, I'm not doing anything wild and crazy, why does the cabin air filter need changed? The reason is, is because when you have your AC on, we pull fresh air from outside and anything that's outside of the vehicle comes to the inside of the vehicle. And now in today's vehicles, we try to filter that air, right? So anything that's outside, whether it be smoke, whether it be rain, whether it be bugs, whatever's on the outside is coming into the vehicle. And back in the old days, we didn't care. We just muscled through it, right? Well, we also just rolled down the windows. <laughs> windows. We had 250 air conditioning, yes, right? That's Two true. windows, 50 yes, miles an hour. Yes, and so a cabin air filter really gets plugged very quickly, and they can also get very moldy. Um, we've seen a lot of cabin air filters that haven't been changed, and they get really moldy inside because they've been wet. They got bugs in them. They got dirt. They got debris. They got, depending on where you park, we've seen them full of leaves. We've also seen... Because of where most cabin air filters are, mice tend to nest there. Mm. And so you don't want all that going through the cabin. So it's just a good idea to check it. And it's easy in most cases. Most vehicles, it's pretty easy to get to. And you can just change it. It's a pretty simple deal. Yeah, and Greg, when it comes to the filters, um, I'm always a fan of the replaceable ones. Is that still kind of good? Or is the normal pleated paper filter technology kind of gotten to the point where there's really no major difference between the two? Between the two what? Air filters? Yeah, between the filters. Like, say, you know, like the K&N replaceables right. or, you know, the normal What ones. we found a long time ago, and I, I'm I'm dating myself here, and I probably shouldn't, but what we That's found okay. out I a date long- myself in here all the time. It's what fine. we found out a long time ago is the re, what we call reusable filters or a mm-hmm. washable filter let more dirt into the engine okay. um, because they breathe better. And the issue is if those aren't cleaned correctly and oiled properly, they're actually more harm than good than okay. just using a paper filter. So, And you'll see sometimes even if you go to races anywhere, any any kind of modified stock cars, you'll see those kind of reusable air filters on cars, and that's because when they get done with them, they generally go in the trash can because they're getting more air to the engine okay. for more horsepower. Awesome. Now, now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a scenario. It may not be my exact scenario. Oh, we're, we're here gonna we talk go. hypothetical again. <clears throat> Asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. <laughs> so let's say we've got a vehicle okay. and it's been sitting for a while. In particular, maybe maybe it sat over winter because the 16 year old doesn't have the license yet so it's not getting driven often or or it could be somebody who's got like a convertible they didn't drive in the winter that sort of stuff um what are some of the things that those folks need to do that might be beyond the the norm if you will if they've got a vehicle that's been sitting two three four five months before they use it again what are some of those things they need to be looking at that might be a little different than just the typical walk around? Well, the first thing you got to look for, obviously, is leaks because that's when uh, varmints get in. They can chew brake line hoses. So you want to look under the car and, and make sure nothing's leaking. The other thing we advise is if it's been sitting for more than three months, we advise changing the oil anyway. And the reason that is is because while that vehicle's sitting, temperatures are still going up and down, mm-hmm. and condensation condensation is still getting in the oil pan. And the last thing I would recommend is to take it easy whenever you leave. Um, <laughs> let's not let's not just pretend we're going to go on a drive. Let's really pay attention to the car that we're driving. 
Yeah. Because we haven't driven it in a while, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned too, a, a lot of times spring, we've got spring break coming up. We mm-hmm. could be yes. time to take those longer drives as yes. well. Any other big things we should be doing outside of just that typical walkthrough, making sure that we're ready for maybe an extended trip, something that, say, the grocery getter, things that we're just driving in and around town, would be experiencing on, say, a seven, eight, nine-hour road trip. Right. The key is that we recommend that you come take advantage of our free 55-point inspection because we do that for a reason, and that's to make sure the car's ready to go somewhere. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's easy. It doesn't take that long. And if we find something great, mm-hmm. and if you want to fix it, great, and if the vehicle's in great condition, we'll let you know that also because there are some things that you cannot check when you're at home in your garage. <laughs> It's just it's just pretty plain and simple. Well, and especially with all the computers and yes, systems yes, and nonsense yes, in there now. Yes, and they, and they've been fine going to get groceries, but a seven-hour road trip's a lot different than going to get groceries. Now, now you you, you kind of talk about those things that we can't check in the garage, and and you know I I see all the different checklists and. You know, growing up, when when you and I were younger, you could not only lift the hood and see everything, there yes. was also space underneath there to work on things. Yes. Now I lift the hood, and my checklist says to check my belts and my hoses, and most of that stuff looks covered up to me now. How, how do I check belts and hoses without seeing them? Uh, most of the time, you can't. That's, that's <laughs> the issue. When we put it on a rack and lift the vehicle up, we can see a lot of that stuff from the bottom. Most of that stuff they try to hide, if you will. Mm-hmm. Most of it is hidden just because of all the extra stuff that's been put on the vehicles. It, it wasn't hidden intentionally, but some of that stuff's really hard to see. Yeah, I uh, I think I actually saw a, a repair video the other day where um, I, I looked at it and I'm watching and you had to take out half the engine to remove a single nut from from yes. something. And I yes. looked at Wait. that and I said, I think an engineer who never had to work on this must have designed it. That is very true. Wait, it's not <laughs> normal to have to take the full front grill off just to replace <laughs> headlight bulbs? Well, it is normal, but not normal, normal. Right, yeah. right, yes. yes. Not, not saying that I recently did that, but yes. it was quite the learning experience. Yeah, yes. well, well, see, that's not too bad, though, because you could take the, the front end off of yours to replace it. Yeah. Uh, to, to replace a headlight on the Suburban, you actually have to remove the tire and huh. go from the backside of the tire well to, to get in and change yes. that. So, again... Just thinking out loud about engineers who never thought they would have to work on uh, a vehicle to, yes. to do anything. Uh, you know, one of those one of those things that that is on that checklist uh, that that I see tells me every spring I need to test my battery. If I could just go out and start the vehicle, do I really need to test my battery? Yeah, you do. Um, winter is very difficult on batteries, um, and the colder. And the longer it stays, the harder it is on batteries. And to do a battery check is very simple. And that's why we recommend seeing the vehicle twice a year, once after winter's over, once before winter starts, right? And one of the biggest things we do is try to check batteries because it can start today. That does not guarantee that it will start tomorrow. <laughs> and and the battery, <clears throat> the battery not starting isn't always the battery's fault, right? Correct. Because not only are you checking the battery when we check it, we're also checking the charging system and making sure the alternator's working. Because that's what keeps a battery up to charge and doing what it's supposed to do. And when it comes to that battery, what are some things that we could maybe be on the lookout for, even if we're you know, thinking something might start to be draining a little bit more, knowing that uh, we have so many extra things kind of draining on that system now? What 
what would be an early indication that, hey, I probably need to be paying more attention to the battery than, say, pulling it right off the showroom floor? Well, the key is is um, to when you look under the hood and you check all those yellow things, make sure nothing's growing on that battery okay. because growth on a battery is very hard on a battery. And it happens a lot, especially where we live, because the temperature changes are so mm. drastic. So the key is look at the terminals. If you can see them, some manufacturers have put them under the back seat. Uh, some manufacturers have hit them in the trunk, so they don't they don't get quite the corrosion that we see in other vehicles. But if you can see the battery when you lift the hood, just check the terminals because that's a that's a big 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 issue here in our area. Yeah, and and kind of speaking of that, it used to be easy to change a battery, right? <laughs> he yes, laughs. yes, used to be easy, right? Yes, it used to yes. sit right up front. Yes, there may have been yes. one strap over it. <laughs> Uh, but a couple of years ago, I went to change the battery in in the Suburban, and I yep. looked where it should have been, mm-hmm. and there was just a platform. There was nothing there. So I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, where'd my battery go? Mm-hmm. That's why it won't start. And then I look, and it's tucked back up almost under the dash. Yes. And I've got to take, like, three straps, and maybe I've got small enough hands, maybe not, to get it out from under there. Yes. Why? Why have they done stuff like that to to things we used to be able to work on easily at home? Well, the key is <laughs> the key is they're having to move those batteries around because they've put so much stuff under the hood. There's no room for them anymore. So, like I said, there's some manufacturers, the little GMs, the little SUVs. Those are under the back seat. They've just had to move them because they don't have any room. Yeah, and I've got one more question when it comes to batteries real quick. And we know a lot of these manufacturers are doing that auto start-stop, that kind of golf cart mode. Is that putting additional stress on the battery system, on the alternator, starter motors, things like that? Absolutely not. Okay. It's designed, It's when you do the auto start, it's just like you were turning the key. Everything okay. comes on, alternator charges, everything works just as if you turned the key on. And so that, you know, pull up to the stoplight, stop, start, that's not going to put excess wear and tear or maybe make something that's supposed to last five years only last three? The, something, yes, but okay. not the battery. It's very hard on engines. Okay. But they've, but they've come to the technology where they've made it work, but it's very hard on starters okay. especially. Awesome. Well, folks, we are up against that second break in today's show. When we come back, we will continue talking with Greg Budwine at Leadham's Performance Diesel. Stick around. We will be right back. Money affects each of us in different ways. Sometimes it's a source of stress and fear. Sometimes it's a source of comfort and security. Whatever your perspective, it's always good to get a second set of eyes on your finances to help serve as a guide. If you are looking for that guidance, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Well, folks, thanks for sticking with us through that break. Rick Stevens here in studio with Andrew Rogers and Greg Budwine on Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. We're talking about car care. I know uh, Car Care Month is coming up. Uh, it is. Not too far down the road. That's April. April, yes, sir. Car Care Aware Month. Awesome it's a big deal. Now, now, April Car Care Aware, mo- Aware Month. Obviously, we're in spring at that point. We're coming out of winter, headed into summer. One of those twice a year opportunities to yes. to have things looked at. Yep. 
Is there a particular time of year, though, where there are specific things we need to do with our vehicle, whether that's like checking and changing wiper blades, checking a tire tread? Maybe there's a better time of year to replace uh, any of those fluids, whether that's a transfer case, transmission, that sort of stuff. Is there particular times of year when we should be doing those, or is that sort of a you need to be checking these things on a regular basis. You really need to be checking them on a regular basis. The reason uh, the there's Car Care Wear Month in April and October, it's kind of a federal holiday in the automotive mm-hmm. world, if you will. And the reason is because that's a time to come out of winter and a time to go into winter. And generally speaking, if done correctly, that's when you change wiper blades. So you'd be changing your wiper blades twice a year, mm-hmm. right? That's also a good time to change the oil. And the difference is everybody drives different. So the key is if you drive a lot, we should see you more. If you don't drive as much, we should see you less. That's why I see you guys often, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. And it's because the more we drive, the more of those hydraulic systems, the more the oil needs to be changed, the, the tires need to be rotated. All those things are based on what you're doing with your vehicle. And it's, and it's kind of a per-customer deal, but there are a lot of folks that don't do anything to their vehicles till something breaks, and that's why we have April and October, right? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, talking about the oil changes, there's so much, you know, kind of discussion with that as well, and especially as we see the modern cars and things going on. Mm-hmm. First off, is it still really that three-month, 3,000 rule? Well, here's... Uh, I guess I got to be careful here because right. I'm going to get myself in trouble. He's going to give us the Evan answer. Yes. It depends, isn't yes. he? Yes, <laughs> yeah. It, it depends a lot on what oil you're running, number one. But number two, I have a question. Okay. If you were the manufacturer of a vehicle and I got you to service your vehicle and change the oil every 10,000 miles, would I sell you more cars? Probably, well... Huh? Maybe based on because <laughs> I got two sides of that right. <laughs> yes. It's the maybe because if it's every ten thousand, it I might have that oil in there a little longer than it ought to be, mm-hmm. so that vehicle's going to break down a little sooner than it would have before. But I always think about the flip side of that. If I'm coming in every three thousand miles, now you're charging me three times what I should have only been having done maybe twice in and, that time frame. And if I was a manufacturer and I said you only had to change the oil every 15,000 miles, could I bring the average cost of owning that vehicle down? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. When I, In my sales pitch, my, yeah. my point to that story is it really matters on what you're doing with the vehicle, yes. right? Yeah. And the kind of oil that you're running and what you do with the vehicle. The more you drive it just in town, the more often you should change your oil. Because that's the hardest thing you can do to a car is drive it to church or drive it to the grocery store or drive it to school and then not drive it anywhere else. That's the hardest thing you can do to a car, so you should change the oil more. Okay, and then kind of with that, again, knowing that there's so many computers and weird stuff on there, is the little computerized saying, hey, your oil life is X percentage, how accurate is that? It is more accurate than you know. So you can also <laughs> it is based on your driving. So you style. could just honestly go by what it's saying on that dashboard. If it's saying, "Hey, check the you know do an oil change in the next five hundred miles," it's probably it's accurate. It's accurate. not just a marketing. They've gotten really accurate with that, and we've done a lot of testing with that because okay. I was real leery of that at mm-hmm. first. But 
they're they're re- they really do pretty good. And we found the more you drive, right? Mm-hmm. The the less those cars say you need an oil change, which right. is good. So they're they're following the system, and they're not those systems are not just basing in on mileage. In our industry, we've done everything based on mileage. Yeah, we didn't do anything based on driving habits or how you drive, right? Mm-hmm. And the computer does a very good job of that in these new vehicles. Perfect. And with that, you know, you mentioned on the oil change. Depending on the type, depending on the type. So is there anything outside of, obviously, the manufacturer's recommendation, say, you know, obviously, if it's going to be a high-compression sports car engine, knowing you probably need to just default to synthetic, is there anything that really should be gauging going from that conventional, maybe a blend or full synthetic? So what we do is we promote uh, what they call a semi-synthetic. We're a Schaefer's distributor. Okay. I've used Schaefer's for almost 20 years. Um, Kansas City Power and Light is kind of the ones that sold me on it. And the reason is it's got a Molly additive in it that keeps the engine cleaner and cooler all at the same time. And so when you do that, obviously you can go longer intervals, right? So you mm-hmm. can change the oil less. I don't have to see you as often just for an oil change. And it just works good. And and again, oils have significantly changed over the last 15 years. The oils that we get today are absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, and that's uh, that's actually one of those uh one of those questions I wanted to uh kind of bring up in there because yeah, not not even the last 15 years, uh, you know, we go back to when we were kids and we had Model Ts, because I yes. swear it's been that long. <laughs> um, yes. Even even in those last 40 years, when you look at it, I, we went from 20 weight to 15 to 10 to 5 to there are some engines that take a zero, zero. Yes. right now. What's the difference in all of the weights on, on those oils, the 0, 5, 10, and, and the, so on? The, the real difference is the friction in it, and the real difference is how much clearance the manufacturers have put in the bearings and all of the moving parts inside the engine is what's changed. So those clearances are very, very, very small. So they take a lot less oil. We used to – I'm going to get real technical, all right, but, I'm it, gonna, but, I, but I'm going to be really fast – in a crankshaft, we used to suspend the rod bearing in oil. Mm-hmm. We do not do that anymore. Wow. Um, and the reason is, is because there was a lot of slack between the crank and the rod bearing, mm-hmm. which made engines only last 80, 90, 100,000 miles. Now taken care of, because the, there's so much less clearance and we have so much better oils, taken care of, you can drive a vehicle for a long time today. And it's just technology. They've gotten everything tighter. They don't need as much lubrication, if you will. And it also has promoted fuel economy because that oil used to be a divider between what your foot was doing Mm -hmm. on the gas pedal and how you were driving. And today that engine's just rotating no matter what you're doing. Yeah, so some of that some of that also being that that change from the carburetor to fuel injection as well. Yes um, in there and you know, I, I still remember some of the old old days where yes. we could see things and work on things. And I I may have torn down an engine uh, before. Yes. And so I know exactly about that whole, what the clearance mm-hmm. used to be. And, yes. Uh, and yes. the, uh, the, the uh, fudge factor, if you will, on, yes. on that clearance versus yep. now. I, I don't know what I would actually be looking at if I, if I opened up an engine these days. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Pretty interesting. Technology's really changed in that department. Exactly. You know, when we talked about what we're kind of putting in, you know, that front end of the vehicle with the oil and the different changes, mm-hmm. another thing that uh, a lot of people kind of curious about, I know I'm personally curious about, when it says when you're filling up with fuel, hey, it has to take X amount of 
you know, Octane, whether there be a rating of like premium, things like that. Is that legit or is that kind of little funky marketing? Well, it's uh, it, it's interesting that you asked that because you have three options and well, I think you have four now in Colorado Springs because I think some stations still sell 85. But mm-hmm. the key about premium, premium does two things. It's cleaner and it's hotter. And so you, with premium fuel, you get more horsepower quicker. You get a quicker response from a turboed vehicle. You get quicker response from fuel injection systems using premium fuel. Um, for everyday Joe, there's no reason to run premium fuel. Driving back and forth to work, you're you're not going to gain a lot. But if you're... If you're trying to get to work faster, premium fuel will help you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Note to note to self. Because what, we, late, have, what use we have, yeah, what we have today is we have higher compression engines, and so cleaner, hotter burning fuel is better for those engines. But it's not. It, it's not like it's making a huge difference, if that makes sense. And it's not really going to make you go, you know, 20, 30, 40 miles more on a tank versus the cheap side. It's probably going to it's probably going to burn more because your foot's in the accelerator more because you want to go faster, right? Because it's mm-hmm. all it, mm-hmm. everything we do vehicle wise is driver specific. It really is. It, it's driver specific. So when we uh, when we also look at those those different fuel types. Right, I know that there are vehicles out there that are flex fuel vehicles. Yeah. What what really is the difference when it comes down to things like wear and tear on a vehicle? If we're using some of that, you know, E85 blend versus the the things that don't have that much ethanol in them anymore. The the ethanol is very dirty, so you got to remember that when you're you're using it. Ethanol is very dirty and it has a tendency to plug fuel systems if the fuel system hasn't been designed to take that fuel. So that's the the only difference is is it's a dirtier fuel. It's a mm-hmm. less expensive mm-hmm. fuel, but it if you're not designed for it, it, it can create havoc on a vehicle and make you use twice as much in some cases. Ugh. Ah, no, no fun there. I'd rather, no. I'd rather not use twice as much fuel with the with the prices where I they're get, at today. That is well, true. Even if it's yes. half the price, if you're filling up twice That's as often, right, it's right. really not a you know win at all. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Now, now I know that you've been on the roads in El Paso County. <laughs> I, yes, sir. You know where I'm going with yeah, this. I'm pretty yes, sure. I'm pretty sure. And, and every once in a while, there may be a lake-sized pothole on, yes. on one of those roads. That yes. I may or may not have hit in a yes, four-wheel yeah. drive vehicle before that mm-hmm. that has caused some damage to a tire. Mm-hmm. So this is this is that question, right? Because if you if you're just going by they and what they say, right? Oh, it's a four-wheel drive vehicle. You you blew out that one. You need four tires. Well, when do I need four versus two versus just one? one. Well, the key is is it an all-wheel drive? Or is it a four-wheel drive? Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, you have to remember that it depends on the quality of the tires that are still good on your vehicle. Because if they if they're getting low on tread and you put a new tire with lots of tread, that tire is going to wear twice as fast. So again, it depends mm-hmm. on tire condition. Most of the time, in a real four-wheel drive vehicle, real mm-hmm. four-wheel drive vehicle, you can replace one tire. I would never replace one tire in an all-wheel drive vehicle because you're changing the circumference from the right to the left, and it might put that vehicle in four-wheel drive more often ah. because the circumference and the speed of that tire is changing. Okay. So the key is, what are you driving, right? If it's an right. all-wheel drive, you may need four tires. Um, if it's a four-wheel drive, true four-wheel drive, probably not. So it depends really on what you're driving. 
All right. I see. I like that answer because it is a specific it depends answer. Yes. 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 Not yes. an open it depends. No. Uh, no. 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 Not not in the least. So as as we're kind of still on that uh, tire side of things, one of those things that that comes up oftentimes in that tire replacement world is you know new tires and an alignment, right? When do I know that I need an alignment even if I'm not getting my new tires? Um, you probably don't. Um, at normal drivers, unless the steering wheel is really crooked, which when the steering wheel is really off, something's either bent or wrong, most people don't know when they need an alignment. That's another thing to do twice a year to make sure everything's rolling straight down the road because of the potholes that you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. You know, I, or, or because <laughs> I might, you know, have a... yes. Teenage driver, driver yes, that, that yes, has maybe hit something they shouldn't have yes. along the way. The, uh, the the interesting part about alignments is everybody wants an alignment when the steering wheel's crooked, but most cars are out of alignment in a month of driving in our area. Most cars are they're they're wearing the tires differently mm-hmm. because we've run over a pothole or hit a manhole cover or went from concrete to asphalt, those types of things create alignment issues. Yeah, because I always, you know, growing up, I was always told you if you're going straight and you can let go of the wheel and it stays straight, you're okay. But that was on flat farmland in Illinois. That's that not correct. on the Colorado roads where yes. everything is sloped. Yes, um, yes. So awesome. Well, folks, we are up against that last break in today's show. When we come back, we've got some uh, some vehicle lifetime questions and, and how to actually make that uh, last a bit longer. So stick around, everybody. We will be right back. Are you worried about what's been going on in the markets and how it has affected your portfolio? Maybe you need a financial checkup. If you have questions about the health of your financial future, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary checkup. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Folks, thanks for sticking with us through that break. Rick Stevens here in studio with Andrew Rogers and Greg Budwine of Leadham's Performance Diesel and Repair. And and we're talking all things vehicle today, mm-hmm. not just all things truck, even though nope. Leadham's, you guys nope. are the truck guys. We are the truck guys. Yes, we so are. So we're, we're talking all things vehicle. And, and Greg, you had said some stuff back in the, in the last segment, talking a little bit about how long vehicles can, can run. And, you know, as a, as a kid... I remember being told growing up that about 50,000 miles on a vehicle, you've got about half their useful life left. But that's that's really not the case these days. That is not the case these days. A well-maintained vehicle these days, does a, they do a great job. The manufacturers have done a great job with all the technology, the different oils that we're using today, the technology that they've put into these cars. It's I was just thinking about it on my way over here. I have a truck with 260,000 on it. My wife's driving a vehicle with 275,000 miles on it. One of our company trucks has 175,000 miles on it. And we've got another one with 118,000 miles on it. So it's, uh, and they're still going strong. It's, it's, it's not like they need to be replaced. And if they're maintained well, a car can last you a very long time. My wife's driving a 2001 excursion that we've had since 05, I think I bought it used with 50,000 miles Mm -hmm. on it. And (laughs) I've just serviced that truck and kept it going and she loves it. And she just keeps driving it. So we're, 
we're almost 20 years into driving that vehicle. Just and it, she drives it every day. So how do you get the car then up to that high mileage? You know, knowing that uh, they are capable these days. Maintenance. Okay. You got to take care of them. It's not just people think you can take care of your vehicle and just change the oil, and that is that's not true. The oil change is probably it's it's one of the pieces, but it's not the major pieces. It's about keeping the transmission fluid, the differential fluids, the transfer cases if it's a four-wheel drive, the tires in good shape, the suspension in good shape. And you're going to put some money in them to drive them that long. I mean, this isn't a this isn't oh, well, I get to drive it for 20 years and I don't have to do nothing. Right. It's just like we are. If that vehicle's got to eat right, it's got to sleep right, it's got to exercise correctly. That vehicle's no different than us and well taken care of. They last a long time. I just uh, actually just sent a, a few weeks ago my my oldest up to Montana mm-hmm. with my truck mm-hmm. with 179,000 miles on it. Yes, sir. And, and I told him it should have about half its life left. That is true. Uh, it should it should get him to 300,000 or maybe a little beyond mm-hmm. if he takes good, good care. care of it. Yep, yep, that's true. That's true. Yep. So, um, you know, in, in kind of looking at that taking good care side, and, and obviously it, it costs money to, to do the repairs and that sort of thing, from that guy who has worked on vehicles his entire life, when do we hit that point where we say, you know, is it a repairs are X dollars and it's going to cost me Y dollars to get something different? Is it the repair is going to cost me what the vehicle is worth? When, when is that time? that we need to really start thinking about, apart from you gave your son a truck to drive somewhere, right. so now you need to replace it, Yes, uh, something like that. When do we need to start thinking about the replacement of that vehicle? Well, what I tell everyone is you got to really pencil out the cost per mile. Because if you pencil out the cost per mile of your vehicle and, and look at your receipts, as the cost per mile goes up, the older the vehicle gets, that's going to continue to grow, right? Mm-hmm. But you also have a cost per mile when you go get a newer vehicle. Right. So you have to weigh, is the cost per mile and what I'm paying to keep what I have on the road more or less than what it's going to cost me to get a new or newer vehicle? And what's its cost per mile going to be in the same scenario? Which is why I, I'm, I, I rarely replace vehicles. I mean, I just don't do it. I haven't had a vehicle payment in almost 20 years. And it's just because... The, the cost of a new vehicle, especially brand new, is so high. Right. The cost per mile goes down, but your cost per mile in your payment right. has to be offset with what you're repairing. So, so you just buy a, a new one and drive a lot of miles. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And, and, and everybody's different, right? I mean, we're, we're all in a different scenario. Everybody's doing different things. Everybody's driving different places. And some people just need to go to the grocery store. Some of us, we get in the truck all the time and need to go to Kansas or New Mexico or Wyoming or Montana. That, that takes a little bit different vehicle because some yeah. of those vehicles I told you about, I'm, I'm confident I would take I wouldn't take two of those very far. They're going to stay here in town. I mean, okay. that's the reality. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, we talk about taking good care of the vehicle to get that longevity out of it. Mm-hmm. As somebody who's been in the industry for so long, what are some of the biggest things that you see that people are overlooking? Or what are some of the big things that uh, you wish more people would do to make your life a whole lot easier? I wish we could see more people more often. Uh, most of the time when we see people, it's because something is broken mm-hmm. or a customer heard a noise or they <laughs> saw something they didn't like. 
They didn't come in and say, hey, can I have a cup of coffee? Can you look over my truck real quick or look over my vehicle and just make sure everything's okay? Most of the time, they bring it in. They go, man, there's this grinding in the back, and I don't know what to do with it. Well, your brakes are shot, right? Yeah. So the key is we just like to see people more often, and we preach that all the time. It's free to come see us. It really is. It's free. We do a free 55-point inspection anytime you'd like to get that done. So my my big deal is I wish I could see more people more often with their vehicles. Yeah, and uh, kind of along that inspection side, uh, it's it's not just that free 55-point, hey, is there anything wrong with my vehicle? But but you guys also provide a service that, yes, comes at a cost, and that's to look at maybe one of those used vehicles that somebody's thinking about buying. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, giving sure. it that uh, that good uh, yeah, once-over. We, we do a pre-purchase inspection, and we'll do any... We'll do that on anything you want to purchase because we we want to make sure you're you know what you're buying and you know what it's going to need after you take it home and that that's a that's a big deal to us at Leadums because if you're coming to us we're going to have to service that vehicle and I we don't want to be the team that says <laughs> I don't know why this guy bought this it's a piece of junk but here we are right so right. we offer a pre-purchase inspection and and we, and we have a lot of people that take advantage of that we've saved some people a lot of money not buying the the wrong vehicle. Yeah. And with that being said, and I think a lot of people are very, you know, have a little bit of built in skepticism, especially when it comes to getting that vehicle service. They probably haven't had an experience with somebody like you guys at Leadums and maybe are leery of it. Think of it maybe less favorably than going to the dentist, things like that. So, um, (laughs) is there anything, you know, say I take my truck in, have it looked at. Is there anything, you know, to that could be a red flag as far as saying, Hey, this is just a service advisor trying to, uh, pad somebody's pockets as far as, you know, suggesting something be done versus what actually needs to be done for the vehicle. I think the key is you got to create a relationship. Okay. And, and we do that all the time, whether it's with the radio station or financial planners. You know, those guys just aren't in our team. They're not just service advisors. They're feeding mm-hmm. their family. Um, they're taking care of our business and their job is to take care of you. And so what happens a lot in our business is people go to 42 different places to try to get what they want to hear. When reality kicks in, when you have a relationship, I'm, we're going to tell you. And we're going to tell you the good things, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we're going to tell you the bad things. And because of that, we've irritated some dealers, um, people that are selling cars. We've irritated some used car lots. Um, we've irritated people because the key is is we don't want you stuck with something that's going to cost you a lot of money, and it doesn't financially make sense to fix. And so I think a big part of that is creating a relationship. We have a team of of uh, 17 people and all their families depend on us doing a good job and and to do a good job you have to create a relationship and as uh, as someone who has uh, brought my fleet uh, at different times, uh, I think fleet's <laughs> yes. the right word, right? Fleet's the right word, uh, yes. To, uh, yes. To you guys down there at Leadums, right? You you guys have done oil changes, you've done tires, you've done differential services, uh, you know, different different things uh, for quite frankly just about every kind of vehicle you could possibly own because you've worked on my Monte Carlo. Yes. You've worked on our minivan. You've yes. worked on my truck. You've mm-hmm. you've worked on it, the Suburban. That's Grant's truck now. That's Grant's truck now. You got to let truck. it go. It was my truck. It's, it's still always, his truck. It's, it's always going to be my truck. It's always going to be his truck. I don't care whose name's on the title. Just go watch Frozen and let it go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's there there are all kinds of things because you're not just the truck guys. I, I have that proof in my house. Yes. Right? Yes, you're not just yes. the truck guys. That's true. What all can folks come get done at Leadums? Um, 
The list is so long, I don't even know where to start. Pretty much, I think the best way to describe it, if it can be done to a vehicle that rolls, um, we can pretty much handle it. There isn't anything that we cannot do or get done. I think it's important to realize that there are some specialty guys out there that Mm -hmm. work on very specific projects or products. Uh, We're not one of those guys, and if we really feel that we can't help you, we will tell you. Um, we've had some customers come in. We, we generally stay away from the hot rod stuff, Porsches, Lamborghinis. We, we don't do any of that stuff, but automotive wise on pretty much any manufacturer that's made, we can take care of it. And, and I happen to know a guy, uh, and this actually is not a story about me, Andrew. It's not my story, Okay, <laughs> but I happen to know a guy who had a 1970s, I want to say, ish pickup truck who said, hey, what do we have to do to get this working for my son? Yes. And the answer was way more than you need to spend to yes. make this happen. So you will tell folks that. Oh, we will. Yes. Yeah, we will. We will. Awesome. So, um, you know, I know one of those things that people see, you know, you got to all the different framed things up on the walls and different shops and that sort of stuff that that show all kinds of certifications that, that either the shop or the individual mechanic can get at some point in time. What are those certifications folks need to pay attention to, I guess? Because obviously we can go get any kind of certification for anything, what are the important ones when it comes to folks performing maintenance on our vehicles? Well, knowledge is important, right? And it's also very powerful. Mm-hmm. But the most powerful thing we have, again, is relationship. And I think the there's a, there's a lot of certifications you can get from the manufacturer. We have what we call ASE certifications for technicians. Uh, ASE also has some certifications for service advisors and service managers. The key is knowledge is power. If you don't know how it works, you sure can't fix it, right? Right, right. And so the key is, I don't think it's based on what's hanging on the wall. I believe it's based on relationship and really wanting to take care of people. And that's why we're people serving people one truck at a time. That's truly what we do. And if we don't have the answer, we will either find the answer or we'll say, that's out of our wheelhouse. We we really can't work on that for you. So I, th- I think the key is, is... You can have all kinds of stuff hung on the wall. No different than a financial advisor, right? right? You got all kinds of certifications. Everyone does it different, and it takes a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, for for sure there. Well, 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 Greg, if folks want to uh, get some work done, maybe that's, you know, whether it's time for an oil change, whatever, maybe it's getting the vehicle ready for the spring and the summer, What's the best way that they can get in touch with you guys at Leadums? You know, the cool part is we have a really cool program on our website at Leadums.com. You can hit the contact button. You can send us an email. It comes directly to us. We'll be right in contact with you. It's really easy. That's where we start the relationship when we don't know you. Um, And then by the time we get the email, it's a 45-second phone call. We're creating the relationship we figure out what's good for you. We pick up, we deliver, we wash unless it's 20 degrees outside. <laughs> or supposed we'll, to snow that afternoon yes, and you yes, go, just don't bother. <laughs> yes, we, we mostly wash everything based on weather. But if if we service your vehicle, there's a lot of stuff we provide to create that relationship. So leadums.com, you can go right there, click contact us. You, you, you're, you're basically typing what you need immediately. So 
Awesome. Well, I've got I've got to say I do appreciate uh, all all you guys from from the from the techs <laughs> that are working on everything. Um, I'll, I'll give an official shout out to to, Bru, uh, to Butch, Butch and to and to uh, Rick up front. Yes. Uh, for for Kevin in the back. Yes. Uh, and and <laughs> I guess I'll say Tyler's all right once in a while too. Yes. Uh, yes. But, but you guys you guys take care of uh, take care of me take care of all of our stuff and I and I really truly appreciate it. Because quite frankly, what I told my son is when you get to Montana to get the next 170 plus miles out of that, you got to find your own kind of elitums. Yes, yes. Well, we really appreciate your business and thanks for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, folks, that's all the time we've got for this week on Money Matters. We'll be back again next week continuing to talk about your money because your money matters. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.